active mental bridges to being formed and for movement. Uh, today we are having an interesting panel discussion uh, on the topic of anxiety and I have two members with me. They'll introduce themselves and uh, just uh, partly on their professional background. Uh, my name is Lucia Kini. I'm part of the being formed and informed movement. So I'll first uh, call upon Dan to introduce himself. Thank you so much. My name is Dana Buri. I'm a medical psychologist by profession and currently I'm working with a project in community health care. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Daisy, go ahead. Thank you, Lucy. My name is Daisy Wanjiro. I'm also a medical psychologist. Currently, I'm practicing at a psychiatric facility in Nairobi, Kenya along Puponi Road called Oasis Health Specialty. I head the, de the psychology department there. And I'm also pursuing my uh, master's program to become a consultant clinical psychologist. Awesome, thank you. Uh, yeah, just partly on my professional background, um, I'm a medical psychologist. I uh, got my bachelor's from Moy University. And uh, currently I'm a student. Uh, doing my master's in psychology and at the same time I'm working for mental bridges. So today we're all talking about anxiety and the question we're trying to answer is what anxiety really is. We know anxiety is a human emotion that all of us experience at some point in our lives and uh, it uh, when you're studying for an exam for example or you are preparing for a job interview you're always anxious about it and it only lasts for a period of time uh, where you're nervous or worried or uh, you just um, have this feeling that uh, oh someone says they have butterflies in their stomach so that's it. that's when say someone is a bit anxious but when it comes to thinking about the good and bad anxiety um, we know that good anxiety can motivate you and help you stay focused on a task. And, and it's only temporary. It only lasts for a short period of time. But when these worries and fears and anxiety, um, they start getting in the way of your life in terms of you can't be able to eat or uh, you eat too much or you eat too little to normal to your normal or you, you sleep too much or too little to your normal or generally it affects your concentration uh, at work or at school or at whatever, or even your relationships with other people. So that's when we say now um, anxiety is now something you need to look out for and you need to seek treatment for. And we'll briefly just talk about in our discussion today about the different types of anxiety disorders as characterized in uh, DSM-4 manual. Uh, that's the panic disorder, the generalized anxiety disorder and phobia related disorders. So I think uh, like uh, phobia related disorders just to give like a layman's version of it is like uh, in cases where someone says they fear snakes, we have, and um, in certain cases it may not necessarily, uh, if it doesn't interfere with your day-to-day -day life, it may not necessarily mean uh, you need to seek treatment for it. So we'll also have a discussion on it and uh, also uh, just the different elements of anxiety disorders. So uh, when it comes to the signs and symptoms of anxiety, so it always varies depending on a particular disorder, for example, because now the moment you say bad anxiety is when uh, it's an anxiety that signs and symptoms will differ in terms of just uh, someone being nervous, someone being worried, and having just all the symptoms that will be considered as anxious, but 
lasting for a prolonged period of time and they'll differ by the different disorders. Like um, in phobia-related disorders, one of the disorders is maybe a, a fear of social places like agoraphobia, where someone has an intense fear or interaction being in a social space. So uh, when it comes to the signs and symptoms of anxiety, so it always varies depending on a particular disorder, for example, because now the moment you say bad anxiety is when uh, it's an anxiety that um, goes beyond the word temporary to even longer period of time. And uh, in our in our scientific classification, what we say it now bad anxiety it, it goes beyond six months. Or yeah, the feeling lasts beyond six months, or, or it it presents itself even if the situation is not there. Whether the situation is there that triggers the anxiety or it's not there. I don't think that it is something that you can switch on and off. And that's probably a misconception or a myth that many individuals fall um, prey of, um, whereby they feel like, just turn it off. I mean, get over it. It's not that difficult. And the thing is, if there was a switch, don't you think that a long time ago, they would have already tried to switch off um, that thing? And I think the thing with anxiety is that it is so scary, especially in the event that you're having a panic attack or you feel like your mind is racing because, I mean, um, some of the symptoms of, you know, having a panic attack or, or an anxiety attack is, you know, shortness of breath. And sometimes individuals even feel like they're going crazy. There are so many things happening in your mind at once you are actually convinced that you're going to go mad. Now, if that doesn't sound scary to you, I don't know what would. So I think it's a serious um, disorder. I, not leading, but it's among the most common mental health conditions that are faced, um, that people in the, in the United States of America face. And you know, when it's like everyone is having it or everyone is going through it, it becomes, you can almost, the value depreciates, but that's not the reality because it's something that needs to be, you know, addressed and it can destroy you, you know, you can eventually um, have so many other complications like some individuals develop tics, you know, and that can become even worse than just the feeling of fear or impending doom, you know, so I think anxiety is, um, it's, it's that important. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's not something to switch on and off and um, just generally on the symptoms they can vary from person to person. There are so many expectations that we are being given, uh, even most of the young generation I can say. There are so many expectations that we have to meet from the parents, from the family and there are these thoughts that are racing within our minds that we can't control. And to some people, I think as just Daisy was saying, you think that it's such a switch that you can, you, you can just stop their thoughts and uh, they will end and then you'll be okay. But actually there are things you can't stop, you can't change it because they're just happening so fast within your mind. And I tried to imagine myself the first time I was learning uh, how to swim and there was that fear of, of drowning. I know the people who have already learned how to swim, they're like, just float, you know, it's not a big deal. You, you, can, uh, you can float, just hold your breath and then you can try and swim. I kept telling them, kept telling them that it's not easy. It's not like I'm trying to fake it or not. But there's an impending fear that I might actually drown, even if it was in a up in, in the swimming pool. There was that fear that you know there's great danger that can happen.
and that's how uh with anxiety it is it's it's uh it's real the danger is real to that person and it's they're not faking it and they're not trying to make excuses out of it they're feeling it and that's why when this the, the physical symptoms are actually come to portray and in some cases it becomes so severe that someone feels like they can't take it anymore and they start having suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideations because they feel like they can't take it anymore and nobody is trying to understand them so i feel like it is reflecting actually what we're going through and what we are facing and we need help when it comes to this situation like what do you do when you're having these uh relentless thoughts of feeling uh you're not good enough you cannot make it you're not doing well enough you cannot fit in uh you, you're trying to you're trying your best but you feel like you're not doing enough what do you do thank you yeah uh thank you for that i just thought about uh something in the african setup especially when it comes to making it you know uh, several times we i think as african children we're Uh, we are we are taught and we are expected to be a bit more resilient and uh, i think that's why which makes um, mental health like uh, seeking for help from a mental health issue in Kenya is still uh, an issue that is left only when someone um, I, th- i always like using this word showing signs of a mock like a mock it is traditionally when uh, people say crazy like they're displaying the outward symptoms of it but with issues like um anxiety like especially when it becomes now a disorder it's not easily displayed on the outside or even if it's seen can like in that video a lot someone might just think the person is being shy and this person is just having a disorder on its own like this person is having an anxiety attack so that actually brought me to question that um when can we like as and if you are talking to a mental health professional when can you tell them it's now time to look at this condition as a problem like when can you notice a sign of someone as a problem because you know scientifically we are told if a condition if it lasts if the symptoms are displayed for like six months a minimum of six months but what else can help uh, people around us to recognize this person needs the help with anxiety or this person or then just by yourself you can you need to take the extra step of seeking treatment on it um i can try to answer uh we're not saying that it's a uh, it's wrong for you to have these thoughts that you're anxious about something because uh, it's human nature for you to be anxious about anything you have a big exam tomorrow or maybe uh, you are about to say the vows at the at the church or at the garden wedding it's normal for you to be anxious but when now this anxiety comes a level but it's affecting your normal uh functions or your normal daily work that you normally engage in now at that point i think you need to seek uh, professional help because at that point it's beyond you and now it's hindering how maybe how you're trying to earn your living or how you're relating to the family at home and it's really becoming a barrier for you to engage in what you call normal uh, activities of daily living so at that point then we'll advise someone to try and seek a professional help because now the anxiety is out of hand you need to get help daisy anything i think basically when this thing starts affecting your day-to-day uh, routine 
like uh, you're not able to go and do simple things like um, going to a supermarket and buy yourself a bar of chocolate. Standing in front of people in your class is so difficult that you're profusely sweating. You're not able to talk properly. Your heart is beating and you feel like it's coming out of your chest. Um, even uh, when it comes to, you know, like what Dan has talked about, like maybe you're getting married or whatever, you can feel anxious. But, you know, there are some individuals who, I mean, even the imagine the, the thought of even going down that uh, aisle or imagining all eyes on you is it's like impeccable impeccable danger that's that's a problem you know and there's a tool we normally use okay i use in my practice called the back anxiety inventory and the inventory um gives the instruction that actually if you've been feeling these symptoms for i mean within the past month how long have you been distressed by those symptoms and if you have been feeling like that for a specific time, you know, uh, it means that there's something wrong. By the time you're feeling like you're out of control, you're going crazy, you're sweating, your legs are wobbly, your heart is beating so fast. Do you know that there are some individuals who get to the place where they are now calling an ambulance to their house because they are so sure that they are having a, a, pan, an, um, a, a heart attack? And then when you do all the tests, um, all the the, the, the ECGs, the EEGs is normal. And that's just what anxiety looks like. So by the time you notice that your day-to-day -day activities are being affected, you're not able to carry them out normally. You're not, I mean, you have to think really, really hard or you have to really, really prep yourself to get out of that door. There is a problem. Or when you wake up in the, in the morning and the first thing is, <gasps> you know, that's not how it's supposed to be. By the time you're experiencing such symptoms, you need to explore exactly what the problem is. Be to find out. Be to find out. To men, some of them anxiety disorders. I know all of us get anxious, but uh, I don't know if you guys know like the proportion of statistics between men and women in terms of uh, having anxiety. Is it gender specific? And I also wanted us to be able to discuss on anxiety and depression. How is the connection between the two and which affects the other? So I'll just open the room for discussion. Maybe on the first part, uh, I think especially with uh, representation of gender uh, done. You can tell us to men suffer from anxiety disorder just as much as we before. I think we may realize that uh, anxiety has been said to be more in women compared to men. But I, I would tend to think that in the recent uh, past, as I, I mean like was so like five years ago, we can count five years down the line, as someone has to do a study, I think the results might be different. I feel like men are actually experiencing anxiety and even depression more than even the ladies. I would tend to say that. And uh, this is because the truth is men, we are actually very weak, but we don't want to show it on the outside that we are weak. We don't want to seek for help. So we keep battling these uh, thoughts and these fears and this feeling inside without opening up to anyone. 
And so how actually anxiety may present in a man and how it may present in women, it might be quite different. And uh, unless someone is keen to notice those symptoms, someone may not even know that this man is actually going through anxiety or depression because men want to mask their feelings and portray that strong emotion, portray that strong picture and preserve also their ego. So we find that maybe in men, the anxiety will be like, uh, how they express the anxiety will be like withdrawing or from maybe events and keeping them to themselves, uh, engaging in uh, reckless behaviors like gambling, spending a lot of time playing uh, online games, even or even spending a lot of time uh, using drugs and substances as a way of trying to escape uh, the reality of what they're feeling and of what is going on uh, in them. And I think that's why even in terms of statistics, you get to realize that yet it's true that most uh, women, they will tend to have the thoughts of uh, committing suicide, but actually men not only have the thought, but they go the next step of actually committing suicide. So I say men are at more risk because of the aspect of them not opening up, aspect of them not uh, uh, reaching out for help, and the aspect of them uh, trying to mask it by engaging in other more destructive behaviors and in the end they, they end up losing themselves. That aspect that you brought up, um, men mask their thoughts. And I do wonder how can we make it better like, in a society while that um, a man can be able to reach out? Or, uh, do you think there should be measures in place um, that all of us in our interactions to make it better for easier or easier for someone to come out and reach out to a friend? or uh, seek treatment? Uh, I thought Daisy was going to answer this one, but let me try and answer, then maybe you can give us a response. Uh, how I look at it is that, uh, first of all, we need to break the stereotypes that have been put in. For instance, to start saying that men are this, women are this. I think for now, the issue of gender, we should try and uh, make it that it's about gender equity at the same time equality we are facing the same struggle. I think from what we faced uh, in the entire globe concerning COVID, whereby it's not, I did not care about whether you're rich, poor, or you're white or black, or you're male or female, it affected all of us, is the same thing with uh, anxiety and depression. So it's not uh, something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be, you know, to hide. It's a disease like any other disease, like COVID. So you should actually speak up and the society also should be able to learn. We should start speaking openly about it and encouraging uh, men when they speak up, we don't shut them down or we don't shame them, but we actually embrace their thoughts. We embrace these feelings and say, it's okay for a man to feel that way. It's okay for you to say you're feeling anxious. It's okay for a man to say you are afraid and uh, you feel you cannot, you're tired. It's okay for a man to say you're broken in the inside and you need help. These things, when you start engaging them, I think, one of the ways to do this is actually when the men we are calling themselves when in leadership places, our politicians, the influential, uh, the people in influential positions, they should start speaking out about this issue of mental health and not uh, hiding it and saying they're okay, you know, we are macho and we are strong, but actually saying it's okay for, man, for men to seek help. And uh, having a, a mental illness, anxiety or depression, it's not just a feminine thing, it's also a masculine thing. Was as a mental health professional, how do you, would you say you approach treatment for both uh, genders differently if you're dealing with someone with an anxiety disorder? 
I, I don't think the treatment is different because the the facts are the same and the symptoms are the same. It's just probably how you um, portray the anxiety might be a bit different. Um, but I'm also in agreement that um, there needs to be less stigma around men seeking help because they are, when you look at the, st the statistics, men fall in the category of eventually committing suicide as compared to women. And you see, I can only talk from the African context because that's where I practice and that's where I'm based. So you see within the African culture, men are not supposed to be weak. And if you start saying that you're feeling this or you're struggling, then you're a weak man. And uh, you see how life works is um, the, 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 the person who is the strongest will win. And so no one wants to be viewed as someone who is weak, but that's toxic because at the end of the day, whether you're a man or you're a woman, you're a human being. And by virtue of everyone having mental health, then it means that everyone is susceptible to having a mental health condition. It does not have to be a disorder. It does not have to be a disease, but by virtue of everyone having mental health, because everyone has a brain, okay? And that's what mental health is about. It's about the brain and about how the brain interprets specific things and the output it puts, you know? So by virtue of everyone having a brain and everyone having mental health, it means that everyone is susceptible to experiencing a mental health challenge, including men, including the most macho of men. I think that we need to have more men-friendly um, channels to encourage them, especially to talk about their problems, because why is it that men end up committing suicide uh, more than women? It's because women will talk and they will say exactly what is on their mind, even though they are fearing to be judged. It's, I mean, it's unlikely for a woman, I dare say that, to hide or to die with that problem. At least they'll tell one person. But this man is a father. He is the CEO of a company. He is a church leader. He is a son. He is the firstborn in a family. He's a breadwinner. There are so many responsibilities, and women can also have such responsibilities. But from where I see it, um, in the African um, context, that already is so much. So by the time you're going to tell someone, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, the immediate answer, especially in our country, is and that's very toxic because uh, they are a human being and they they deserve to um, get treatment and services just like anybody else. And depression is something that is present and real. Depression can look like laziness, you know, it can look like um, avoidance, it can look like being a snob and not talking to your friends, um, it can look like uh, not taking care of yourself, it can, you know, it can look like all these things. And how I see anxiety and depression together 
is that when you have symptoms of anxiety, you're not able to function normally. And that can come with very many feelings of guilt. I wasn't able to go to my friend's party. I wasn't able to go to class. I wasn't able to articulate myself properly when I was in the ward round. I wasn't able to um, convey the message I had properly. And you feel guilty. And when you feel guilty, you have now what we call negative thinking patterns or unhelpful thinking patterns. And in the video, you'll hear the, the actor saying things like, um, I feel like I'm a failure. I'm, I'm good for nothing. Nobody loves me. I've been able to convince myself that nobody loves me. Those are negative thinking patterns. Those are unhealthy thinking patterns because there's that element of um, thinking that comes with both anxiety and depression, which propels you to continue feeling the way you're feeling. So it's like these two can coexist together. It doesn't mean that you have to have them, but they can coexist together mm -hmm. because of how one can bring about the other, you know? And so it's ever so important to keep on sensitizing and normalizing these things, you know, especially to individuals who are going through um, challenging life circumstances or they have a genetic predisposition. These things happen. And especially like what my colleague Dan has talked about, for men, it should be normalized that men actually sometimes cry. They might not cry in front of you, but they'll go to their rooms and they'll cry. And if they don't talk about it, they will end up doing something about it because that's what the brain brings you to. It begins to make you believe that, you know what, you've been in this thing for so long, you feel like you're going crazy, you're not able to perform the way you're performing. The only solution for you to get out of this thing is to harm yourself. Okay, and that's how we have individuals who looked like they were okay, and you had, oh my gosh, this person committed suicide. We don't have to get to that point, okay? And it's as much as um, psychologists have a very, very big role in terms of um, creating awareness and doing psychoeducation, um, where you are seated, you know, you have an opportunity also to normalize um, mental health amongst all. Um, genders and all peoples of peoples of, all peoples of, from different walks of life and people of all ages to normalize that you know what it can happen it's your body acting normally to an abnormal situation and you don't have to live like that there's something you can do about it you know so that's what I would say about it I uh, thank you so much um, yes that you have something to add no, not really, not in that line. Huh? But uh, just the aspect also of men, I just forgot also. Uh, I work in the community whereby uh, we, we do sensitization of uh, mental health issues also. And uh, we also form uh, groups within the community to try and help uh, members in the community to seek uh, health services within a group. They usually engage in microfinance elements whereby they come, they each contribute small uh, finance that they have as a way of, uh, you know, keeping the togetherness or having a reason to meet. And they say, uh, as once they meet, we encourage them to find better ways of uh, seeking uh, health services. And one thing you realize in those groups is that the numbers of men are usually very few. It's almost like men have a very poor <clears throat> pattern of, <clears throat> of seeking health, like uh, health services, like they are, they are so reluctant into, when even if they are feeling unwell, they are so reluctant of seeking help, uh, even if they know they are actually not feeling it. So when you keep on having this uh, 
thoughts or feeling inadequate or feeling you cannot uh, get it done as a uh, daisy said this person conscious gets afraid what kicks in is a, is a form of depression even for men when they keep on you know they feel like they're not doing well enough they are not achieving what they need to achieve they're not meeting the expected societal you know milestones that are set for them depression kicks in and now this man feels like he's worthless he's a failure and uh you know it's good for nothing and now that's when now they even now sink into uh further depression so it becomes a complex uh disorder to treat because it's an anxiety coupled up with depression and then now you put in again the engaging substances now again you add another condition of substance use disorder so it becomes quite complex to try and help them so it's best before we get to that point even men should be encouraged to develop better health seeking behaviors from the word go it's okay for men to seek help i think that's the message that i'm getting out that we should take from also i uh, thank you aburi and as you have heard it is okay for men to seek help and at the same time uh like what daisy said on if everyone is having a mental health we all have mental health so we are susceptible to having mental health challenges and i like to add like the moment you seek um something for your headache it's the same way you can you need to seek something when you feel uh, mentally you're not healthy at that point so it doesn't necessarily mean that it can always be a disorder just uh just something that you uh, like even with anxiety it can be a level that needs to be managed that, that may not necessarily be a disorder so i know time is far much spent and um i like today's discussion and uh, generally we need to stop the notion of kuwa macho i think at the moment it has been on both genders both male and female uh the male feeling they need to be strong and also just the female fe- feeling um and maybe they have too much responsibilities we have also seen like in, even uh just recently we are being maternal mental health we have cases where uh, women who are affected with postpartum depression several may not even come forward and say or even talk about it because they feel i have a responsibility back at home i need to be strong for my husband i need to be strong for my children not to seek treatment for it so if we normalize the notion of having to seek treatment for mental health or even just um reaching out to a friend and also just as mental bridges we're just providing a platform for people to reach out and engaging with us we're going to have um we have certain private groups in facebook to have private discussion like uh, if you want to bring up on a discussion on a particular area or you need help on a particular area uh i know uh, dan and daisy will be available for a particular period of time if they can we'd love for them to be available for a particular period of time just to be able to engage and and answer questions within these private groups that uh, we will unveil uh, now for the topic on anxiety. So just to add today's discussion, this is not the closing the lid of anxiety. This is just our initial discussion. We can have several discussions online. Uh, but just to close it, uh, I guess I'd love to hear a parting shot from, uh, I guess, Daisy and Dan. Then, yeah, we can move forward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think my parting shot would be to remind everyone that it's okay to be okay it's okay not to be okay 
And I know that that's a very cliche thing to say because everyone is saying that. But for real, it is okay not to be okay. And it is okay for you to seek services and for you to seek help. It's okay for you to talk about what you're feeling. No one is going to get tired of you. Healthcare professionals will not get tired of you. And we encourage you to do so. You should not live a life thinking that that's what your life is going to amount to. It doesn't have to be like that. We can help you achieve quality life. And that's what life is about. Um, so it is okay not to be okay. And it is okay to seek services for as many times as you need to. It's fine. It just proves that you're human and it's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Daisy. And uh, I think I'll just pick it from there. Uh, we, we, are, we are coming from a Kenyan uh, background. And uh, I think there's one thing that we were told when we were growing up is that we are not allowed to show emotions or feelings. I think this was also went for both genders, but it was worse for men. We are not supposed, we are told we are not supposed to talk about your feelings. Those are things you're not supposed to show. Whatever you're feeling, you take it in and you know, you show action, you behave, you go to school, you keep on taking responsibility. And uh, I think the message is that it's okay for us to talk about our feelings. It's okay to talk about our, our fears and uh, that all those uncertainties, uncertainties that we have within ourselves. It's okay for us to talk about them. And it should never be a cliche that we should uh, go and seek mental health services. I think as uh, LJ said earlier, that when you have a headache, you seek for a painkiller to take that pain away. It's the same thing. When you're feeling, you're having certain uh, feelings or emotions or uncertainties, it's okay for you to seek a therapist and for you to seek those services. Talk therapy is not just talking. It's a therapy. And there's a reason why it's called therapy. Most of people actually downgrade you thinking, now I'm going to talk to someone how would that help me? It will because it's it's a therapy. It has a medical aspect to it. So it's important for us. It's okay for us to seek help, and it's okay for us to seek professional help when it comes to matters of mental health. Okay, uh, you've heard it, guys. I'm so glad I had these two amazing people on today's discussion. Uh, I just love how their brain works, and I'm happy to have them on the discussion on anxiety. So uh, after this. Uh, videos out we'd be able to share so much more and even just um where like in if you're in Nairobi uh Daisy works in Nairobi uh where if you want to take uh, have therapy sessions with her how you can be able to reach the hospital and stuff um so I, I guess once we have permission on that we can be able to share uh thank you so much for uh, Daisy and Dan for joining me today uh being your host uh Lucia Kini and uh, this is the Be Informed Then Informed Movement uh, Mental Bridges Kumbuka, form me, kumbuka. Thank you.